Dojo, Dynamite 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 Dojo, with Rich and Ashley. Hey guys, this is Ashley and Rich here with episode 46 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is Thursday, September 17th. I can't believe we're 46 episodes in. Yeah, we're coming up on our anniversary, AEW's anniversary, and last night's show was a very good one. Very good, very fun. Can't wait to talk about it. I'm happy with the parking lot brawl. I'm glad it was the main event, and I want to jump ahead. But I'm glad that they used that as the main event. I'm... um, more surprised, nonetheless, about the amount of blood, but I can't complain. I really can't. I'm glad that they were able to do that. All those bumps in the glass, all those bumps through the tables. I like the fact that they allowed... We'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll don't, get to don't, that. Don't, do not jump we'll ahead get to on that. <laughs> Barely any Nick today. That was fine. That, uh, this is where we'll start. That was like my one gripe with the show. Not... You got a little bit of it. I did, so... That's the perfect transition. The show starts off. We're opening up with tag team action. Jurassic Express versus FTR. Jurassic Express is in the ring. The Young Bucks come out. And there is a super kick party on the ref for no apparent reason. So we started off the show with Nick. That's all we got. Just a little little moment. Well, you had the moment with the Bucks throwing money at Tony Khan. Because they don't give a fuck. And I think that Tony Khan probably enjoyed that more than the entire segment. He got money thrown at him. He's like, all right, I'll take it. I, I like that we're getting some more TK on on. on he probably enjoyed recently. that segment very much. But the thing that I didn't understand about this, and maybe you can fill me in, why randomly kicking referees? What I mean, it's just, just causing havoc for the sake of havoc, I guess? Yes, they are pissed off. And they are making a statement. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm into it. But they throw money at Tony Khan. You have FTR against Jurassic Express. Jurassic Express truly is like the only face tag team they have left. So it made sense, as you we talked about friends. last week. Yeah, but they were in with Proud and Powerful. Well, yes. But, you, you know, as we talked about last week, you have FTR coming in here. As consummate heels, you could tell they uh, their their big arrogant promo last week during their se- their tag team appreciation celebration, their their soiree with the beers and Christopher Daniels and the whole nine yards. I guess SCU is kind of a face. Was that last week? I believe so. Feels like a very long time ago, but that's just it's me. So you have these guys. They come out. You got a obviously classic heel versus face championship match. Not a championship match. Non-championship match. You no, are right. I, 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 I'm I, sorry. for the whole time, thought it was a championship match, and it wasn't. I don't believe it ever was. And for if some reason, I had to beat had them it in Last week, if they had head. a chance to beat them, they could have a tag team championship match. They that's, said that. That's what it was. But this was non-title action, but it was a great, great match nonetheless. Uh, Jungle Boy is such a star. And I've said this repeatedly as we talk about him with MJF but I just think it's so cool to like see his evolution we're going to be able to see his progression and like where is he going to be in the next couple of years at the top of the company 
I, I guess the only thing here about Jurassic Express is because they are the only true babyface outside of Best Friends, they get kind of sacrificed. You know, you have to kind of sacrifice to put over some of these heels they have as champions because Omega and Hangman, they weren't really heels during their time as champions. So you kind of transition to FTR makes sense. You have to kind of go over Jurassic Express. At some point, they're going to have their run. They, they may not. Jungle Boy may branch off from the team without having any tag team championship success, and he'll have long-term success as a single star. But nonetheless, I thought the match was fine for what it was. I thought the match served the purpose. It got FTR a win over a fan-favorite tag team. There are some fans there, of course. FTR starts to gear up. The pay-per-view is less than two months away. Full gear on November 8th or so. 6th. 5th. Very beginning of November. Very beginning of November. Every date that I threw out, <laughs> it could be one of those days. Yes, it could be. So check your calendar, Bleacher Report Live, or the Fight TV app. Fan You're out participation, as you yeah, like to fan say. Yeah, fan No, as you like to say. I like to say it. You like to tout it. Let us know. What day full gear is because we are not prepared for this, but no, it was it was a good match. Uh, high energy, high high fast paced. Um, even in the loss, I felt like Jurassic Express still looked strong. As I've said repeatedly, this year's been so much better for them. But I'm with I'm you. I'm a huge fan of, of course, FTR. I love the way that Dax looks like Arn Anderson now. He's kind of embracing the full role. They plugged Arn Anderson. They were talking about them becoming styles of Arn Anderson on commentary. But you are right. Jurassic Express is obviously a more viable tag team. Last year, they were like 0-11. Jungle Boy came in. It was a great story for the Chris Jericho match. You got to last 10 minutes with Jericho. You're 0-11. Now they're a, a tag team that's established. So I'm sure 2021 is going to be their three-year build. For Jurassic Express. We're ready for it. Would make sense. I think we'd all like to see that. I'd like to actually see a tag team tournament, potentially, because we're coming up on the anniversary of last year's crowning achievement, which was the AEW Tag Team Champions. SCU won the tag team tournament. Maybe we could do it again. I I am always down for a tag team tournament. We have the most stacked division in the world and there's only so much you can do on a two-hour dynamite so i feel like that would be a great way to get everyone involved and it could be a uh, but they do a lot of it i mean they do the gauntlets they, they they kind of do that often but a full-blown tournament again with like a cup or the medals that they gave out last yeah. year just do another segment like that they did it with the women's or deadly determine draw. who's gonna face at full gear or the next pay-per-view even after. in between I mean, with revolution there's plenty of plenty of ways we can do it but I am always down for a tag tournament. But if that wasn't a hot start to the show, next up we had Frankie Kazarian versus Hangman Adam Page in singles action with Kenny Omega on commentary. Uh, to be expected, <clears throat> this was a fucking banger. So, every single time that Kazarian's wrestled singles, he's impressed. For sure. I think he's looked really sharp. Like I said before, SCU has looked as good as they have. With CD and Kaz, they've looked better than they have in the past year. Altogether, the two of them, of course, Scorpio and Kaz have looked fine together. They were tag team champions. But every match that Kaz has had, if it's Moxley, if it's uh, against Adam Page here today, if it was on Dark, we watched him, and then the six-man, the eight-man tag, sorry, the eight-man tag on Dynamite. I mean, Kaz has been as sharp as it gets. I think it's time soon for Kaz to have a TNT championship match. Ooh, I would like that. That would be good. 
Because I think right now he's earned it. He's looked great in the ring. He's done good promos. I like the fact that he's wearing the Killer Kowalski shirt. It's kind of giving him an edge. An edge. I mean, just a different... A different... Different vibe. I'm having a tough time with my words today, Ash. All yes, right. a different vibe. <laughs> he's he's kind of, you know, you're talking about, there's these guys, you know, FTR's got Tully, I got this, I got that. You know, and guess what? He's a killer Kowalski guy. He's just slightly different than everybody else. But I thought this was a great way to integrate Hangman back into the singles division. Um, like you mentioned, Kaz has looked fantastic in every singles match we've seen him in. I loved, right at the end, the the countering they had going back and forth as Hagman's trying to put him away with the buckshot lariat and uh, Kaz is just right there each and every time. Eventually he he succumbed to it and Hangman gets the win, but I thought top top to bottom this was a really solid match. I gave him um, an A. Absolutely, absolutely an A. We had Kenny on commentary um, seemingly not wanting anything to do with Hangman. Hangman gets the win. Kenny gets up leaves, exits scene, Hangman looks back and... As we know that Hangman has been looking to potentially continue the tag team or have a chance to go at the tag team champions again, and Kenny Omega's not interested in it. He knows what the fans want. They want singles Kenny. They want the cleaner. Maybe he'll pull the rug out from underneath everybody and tag back up with Adam Page and win the tag team titles right back from FTR. It was just a fluke. Guys, we're back Kenny together. Don't worry and about it. Man forever. Singles are a Nick. That's it. That's, that's the end. If a if a Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page tag team leads to a singles run Nick, I don't want it to happen. Stay apart. I feel like you are in the minority with that statement. I don't have words for that. Okay, <laughs> but this match was an A. I, 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 no, this everything that Kazarian has done one on one. I he really hasn't lost a step. I think he's looked really sharp over the past couple of matches. I mean, after he got back from quarantine, as you say, the entire summer, Kazarian's looked great. So you have to give him, I think, a TNT title shot at some point because again, he's still kind of a baby face, even though he's kind of got a little edge to him. Got but, that sort of like punk ass edge to him a little bit, but yeah, definitely still a baby face. That's a great call. I would totally be into that match. But I think this was another one like the Jurassic Express loss where I don't feel he was weak. Losing Nothing that Kaz has done singles-wise has ever made him look weak. No. It's never made him look bad. He's always been a viable contender. So I think a match against Brody Lee could really do that. I mean, it's homecoming. He's facing Orange Cassidy next week. It, quick preview. Which is a preview. Again, yes. Orange Cassidy versus... Mr. Brody Lee for the TNT Championship. Are they going to pull the trigger? Does TNT get their guy? In order to not offend our resident Orange Cassidy fan. Oh, he was not too happy. With he was not too happy last week. last week. There's too much Orange Cassidy. I'm off the hype train. I am not off the hype train, but I do not feel that it's time for Mr. Brody Lee's reign to end. I don't believe it was going to. I just felt like in this situation, it's another Orange Cassidy. It's Orange Cassidy every single week. I used to look forward and I was excited to see Orange because it was a unique situation in which they would involve him, similar to what they did in the parking lot brawl. Yes, and I thought that was perfect. We'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But there's our quick preview for next week's TNT Championship match. No TNT Championship match this week. So I guess with Mr. Brody Lee being champion... 
he's not doing this challenge like Cody was doing. Which I think is good for the long term. You can't have a you can't have it happen all the time. I guess I like, that would diminish the... I just like yeah. that what Cody did was cool to get it started. Cody he, was the right guy. He kind of had to advance the title quickly within a year. So if he's facing all these individuals, having memorable matches, involving individuals in this category or this this grouping of the TNT Championship, and then it goes on to Brody Lee. Now Brody Lee will defend it over his time. I do still want to see this caught up defended to the other. a little bit more frequently, though. Like, what, twice a month, maybe? I'd also like to see the AEW World title be defended. A little I more agree frequently. with that. More title title matches. If you look at the Spice entire... Up the show. You, you talk about the entire year in a cycle. Because we're coming up on the anniversary of AEW, which was October 2nd. You have two AEW World Champions, three separate AEW Tag Team Champions, three separate AEW Women's Champions, and one TNT Champion. Is that enough cycling of the titles, or should there have been more in that year? When you, when you put it out like that... Well, two TNT champions now. Two TNT champions, I'm sorry. When you put it out like that, it sounds like a lot. You got three, two, 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 you know, it, it sounds like a lot. But in the long distance, the longevity of a year, it doesn't feel like it was a lot. Moxley's had a good run. I think it's time. It's starting to feel like Moxley's run is going to come to a conclusion. Doesn't say, I'm not saying it is Lance Archer. But it feels like it's going to be coming towards a conclusion. We're back on track. It feels right now. And we said this a, a couple weeks ago, having the fans back in the arena. We're getting back to as new a normal as we can. Um, Mox had some television defenses with his reign the tag titles were defended a lot especially as we got into the summer with kenny and hangman um to help them build their their tag team resume i guess you could say um but i'm down for more defenses on television or or just championship matches on television spices things up yeah moxley's summer was great the summer of aew kind of came back from what they were doing going to revolution was probably when they came on the television in October, I saw, I'm sorry to backtrack, get all over the place. When you came on television October 2nd through to full gear was probably the best string of television that you could possibly open with. Yeah, and then New Year's up to Revolution was right up there with it. And then New Year's to Revolution was arguably the best set of wrestling television week in and week out that I've ever seen. It was amazing. And so I think the summer kind of got that back. After Double or Nothing, we started to feel it kind of come back a little bit. Moxley's reign feels like we're going toward the conclusion. Feels like a third champion will be coming around the corner. I'm not saying it's Lance Archer again, not to digress, but potentially feels like it's going to come to the conclusion. But TNT champion Brody Lee doesn't. Of course, FTR tag team champions don't. So the question is, do we need some more surprise changes potentially on the horizon instead of these consistent long championship reigns? I debate this all the time. It's such a hard thing because you don't want to do. You don't want to be too flip floppy with the belts. You don't want to be too so. flip floppy, but fan participation would it bother you to see Nyla Rose win at full gear first? You know, for example, and Hikaru Shida to get it back a month later. Defend through to Revolution. I don't. I don't think so. We're not talking yeah. Charlotte Flair here. We're just talking about a little flip flop. We talked about it with the tag team titles, and it yeah. felt and the, and the Kenny and Hangman thing really dragged on. It felt way too long, far too long. Yeah. But you can't really, you know, you can blame COVID all you want. But it feels complete though. Now that it's over, like it it feels complete. 
they do everything right. I feel like they, in the end, they get there. Truthfully, it was too long. It was long. Yeah, I, I, I we were there for the start. I was not was... for the fact that they didn't want to make. It was a report, obviously, that they didn't want to make any drastic changes while there was no audience. They didn't want to make drastic changes while they were under this quarantine. Listen, it was too long. And I don't want to get all sidetracked here because we do have to move on with the rest of the show, which was a great dynamite considering. Yeah, no, it's over. It's complete. We're moving on with our lives. And now FTR is going to have another long reign. What'd you say? FTR is going to have another long reign. That's Mm. where I come into that piece, though. Another long reign. That's the question that I pose. Does it need another long reign? Does the individual who wins post-Moxley need another long reign? That's That's the question. It becomes a little stagnant. Yeah. I don't know. But fan participation, <laughs> who do you think, outside of the Young Bucks, I don't want to use the Young Bucks in this category, in this uh, measuring stick, in this poll. There it is. Outside of the Young Bucks, who do you think could potentially take the titles off of FTR? My answer is the Young Bucks. I said outside of the Young Bucks, <laughs> private party has looked good recently. I we're SCU's gonna get to that. back on the horse. Best friends just won yeah. that parking lot brawl. Best friends and proud and powerful put themselves right back on the map, and we are going to get there. I promise. Uh, but we'll we'll move on so we can uh, break down that whole main event. We had an MJF squash match. I mean, served its purpose. Um, looks like he is looking to get involved in this faction warfare potentially. Yeah, he's looking to lead his own faction. I think of get as a leader of a faction. I think it's essential. MJF gets guys who may not be popularized. Bring guys in. That that way MJF can shine. You don't want guys to potentially overshadow what MJF is, right? Like Wardlow, people don't really know about him. Uh, big money Wardlow, give him this the strap. This is the weekly this is, <laughs> more yeah, Wardlow, just, all right? Just give him the strap. Big money Wardlow. But Wardlow comes in, people don't know who he is. They're not familiar with Wardlow. It elevates Wardlow. MJF helps elevate him. He doesn't overshadow MJF. Yet he does. He completely does. A big money Wardlow. But I think individuals like that might be necessary for MJF's group. When Wardlow gets the belt, Wardlow forever, is that a long reign that you want? I'd like to see Wardlow pull the Goldberg and just go like two straight years beating everybody. Wardlow or bust. Yeah. And then after Wardlow becomes the champion, two more years of Wardlow beating everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. Big that's, money. That's the way. Big, big money I, Wardlow. I th- I, fans, again, let me know if you agree or not. Do you think that MJF should bring in established individuals to his group? Maybe those who are kind of, uh, I don't want to call them furloughed, but individuals who are kind of out of the picture who may need a little boost back into the spotlight again. I like to say Sean Spears, but he's with he's with Tully and FTR potentially. We don't know yet. Well, he also alluded to potentially joining a faction. Not necessarily I mean, being the leader. I mean, I don't know. It would free up Wardlow potentially if he were to leave him to become the AEW world champion. Yeah. And then you get epic battles between Wardlow and Will Hobbs on pay-per-view. Take all your money. Take all my money. Speaking of factions, uh, really quick, we had another Eddie Kingston and family promo. Most notable thing is 
Him telling Blade he's got to get his family back in order. Yeah, which makes you think he's going to pull in Bunny. So we'll see what that's about. In intriguing. It's intriguing. I thought it served a purpose, got them all on television for the promo. I think it was a fine promo. Eddie Nothing. Kingston didn't lose the Battle Royale. Zero wrong with it. Eddie Kingston can cut a hell of a promo. Of course, we all know. We enjoy watching him. We enjoy listening to him. So yeah. nonetheless, listen. I'm do glad that we are having him on our television Absolutely. weekly. I love it. The next match was more tag team action. We had Private Party versus Jericho and Hager. This one didn't really do it for me. So I actually thought that this was Hager's best performance. I thought Hager actually looked the best working with Private Party. I liked the little attitude about Private Party at the end when Mark Quentin came in to save Isaiah Cassidy after... Uh, Jericho was kind of beating him down. I liked that. Not little, to mention that, that party was injured early on in the night. That that was part of the story here. Yep. Private parties looked great over this summer. We talked a little bit about private party right before the summer and said, I think they're just a little too green for their spots. But I have to admit, through this duration of the summer and coming in here to the fall, private party is at the top of their game. For sure. Let me clarify. I think private party looked great in this match. I don't, there was nothing wrong with the match itself. But to, the writing was on the wall. This was a win for Jericho and Hager, another tag team that we don't need, as they climb their way to their future tag team championship match. And it's just, that's something I'm not a fan of. So it served a purpose, but I'm sitting here like, why is this happening? Mm. Nothing against the match itself. The match quality was if fine. If they want to go with Jericho and Hager, again, we talked about potentially being sidetracked. If they want to go with Jericho and Hager at the pay-per-view against FTR, I can't complain. It, it's Jericho back in a prominent role, prominent spotlight for the tag team titles, and I wouldn't even mind if they won it. Because I'm, I'm again, for the a little kind of flip back and forth. It can get Hager to do something, because I feel like Hager... People feel like it's been a bust. I'm not going to categorize the Big Hurt as a bust, because I'm still holding on to Sean Spears. So, nonetheless, I can't, cause it, I can't call it a bust. But in this situation, I do think that when you take a look at Hager, this was his best performance working with Private Party. He needs to work with guys that can make him look better, I guess, in that sense. But a lot of those guys are currently heels, unfortunately. I just, it's, it's, it's another tag team stepping stone, and, and I am... I'll say this till I'm blue in the face, but you have so many tag teams that deserve championship matches and uh, number one contendership matches and title reigns. And when you're throwing these other teams together, I I know it's Jericho and Hager and, and Jericho's Le Champion. I, I want to see him on my television, but I feel like this is taking away spots from other tag teams that are needing. 46 episodes... And we've been saying for 46 episodes, we really wouldn't have a problem with the tag team titles flipping hands. You can't go through this and not give SCU the tag titles back. You can't go through this and not give FTR the title back. You, you, have to, you cannot have these one-and-done champions and say, hey, look at their reign, and let's go back and look at it. This isn't ROH. This isn't Ring of Honor. You don't do that. You have to consistently deliver a tag team product where these individuals, as highly competitive a 
division. A division that it is, like the cruiserweights of WCW, these titles should be moving hands. If it's going back, that's fine. If Jericho and Hager win the tag team titles at full gear, and a month later, before Christmas, they lose the titles because you go on your Christmas little break, you know? They lose the titles before the anniversary show on New Year's to FTR again. I'm not going to complain. But don't you feel that Jericho and Hager's reign could have been filled by another tag team like Jurassic Express or the Hybrid 2? I think I would want to keep a little bit of the longer reigns for the more prominent teams. But I wouldn't mind FTR dropping it real quick for about a month or so and then having FTR get it back and then get to Revolution to lose to Private Party, per se. And Private Party holds it to double or nothing, for example. I'm... I am cool with the tag Six month title reigns are getting old, guys. Moving, moving hands because the division is so competitive. And if you don't agree with me, that's fine. We saw a lot of people that talked about, you know, I, I know that the Queen of NE, she enjoys long title reigns the way that they did in New Japan, where it's kind of an honor to get that championship and someone should dethrone them. I, I understand that. I completely understand that. I'm more of the American style. I guess it's the WWE in me, watching so much of it for years. I thought that it raised prestige when somebody could be a five-time champion. No, I I do not disagree. I just want to keep this in the tag division. That's me. But I'm you just gotta spice up life a little bit. You gotta spice up life. <laughs> For 46 episodes, we shall move on. Thunder Rosa versus Ivelisse for the NWA Women's Championship. This felt like a huge deal. And I thought that was so exciting because this isn't a AEW title, speaking of title reigns. No, and I completely forgot before. I don't want to cut you off. I I give the other match a B. This match, I give an A. Yeah. I enjoyed the match. Uh, It felt there was an intensity here between the two of them. They felt like they belonged in a championship match on television. For sure. And like I said before, I want to see more of Diamante. I want to see more of Ibelisse. I want to see more of Thunder Rosa. I don't know what her contract situation is, so that'll iron itself out. That's not our job. That's not what we do. Well, good news for you, though. Quick preview of next week. You're going to be seeing more of them because we've got tag team action. Yeah, you have Thunder Rosa and Hikaru Shida, which is obviously something they have mutual respect for one another. They tore it up at All Out. Hell yeah. So they're going to go up against Diamante and Ivelisse. I Again, it's fantastic. you got four great women working together, which is what they've needed for some time. The past few weeks of, of Dynamite women's action, or AEW women's action because we had All Out also, uh, we're getting in this nice little groove here, and I, I've been really pleased, really impressed, and I think the women's division is on the map. You also have the late night special. I want to do a little preview on that. We won't want to do the whole coverage, but Brandy's going to be taking on Anna Jay next week on Tuesday after the NBA playoffs. Yes, late night dynamite. I'm so here for it. Late night dynamite, Anna Jay versus Brandy. That's You're looking at that one. That was obviously ties back to a couple weeks prior to All Out when she choked her out on the stage. Yeah, that's that's like a little grudge match right there. I'm, I'm excited for that so I one. Think, I think that tells that's Late Night Dynamite. So check that out Tuesday, September 22nd, after the NBA playoffs. Yes, we also are going to have Matt Seidel versus Sean Spears. That should be a good match. That's a unique matchup. Very unique. I actually don't know if they were both in WWE. They were definitely in WWE at the same time. But were they... They were never on television together at the same time. So maybe an OV, maybe FCW, OVW type of thing they've had matches. I don't know if at the time Evan Bourne, I don't know if he was down in that 
development area with him, but this is a unique matchup I've never seen. That's one I am pumped for. And the last uh, last match for the Late Night Dynamite is Scorpio Sky versus Ben Carter. Listen, I'm here for Scorpio Sky singles action. Uh, this should be a nice little treat. Yeah, Scorpio Sky on television, you can never go wrong. Yeah. I, I would push him to the moon if I could. I agree. But backtracking, it was a great women's match. Um, I just thought it was really cool that they gave this spotlight to the women and to this other promotions title. Well, the thing about Thunder Rosa is she doesn't miss her spots. She's sharp and she hits hard. And all those three things make her feel more viable and more valuable as an asset to AEW. Yeah, she's a badass. Yeah, she, uh, she, flat out. I know we, so we don't watch we're her not in these too matches, familiar with her. No. She's killing it. We watched a little bit of NWA. We watched the pay-per-view in which I don't know, it's a couple months ago where uh, Aldis, I think, faced James Storm, your guy. Oh. Oh, yeah. Big pops for James Storm. Is it story time? Not yet. Not yet, okay. But um, nonetheless, this match, I give it an A. It yeah. felt valuable. It was important on this show. I, I like seeing them, them tie it up, and I think next week we're finally getting out of the, the three-minute matches people were complaining about, et cetera, et cetera, and we're getting into this tag team. Yeah, big expectations for that tag match. I think it's going to kill it on all I don't know what the fronts. story's going with here because I don't know what Hikaru Shida is going to do next, but I'm sure that'll iron itself out. I have a feeling what Hikaru Shida does next is not going to have anything to do with these current individuals she's working with. You don't think? I do not. I just, I'm having the feeling that it's not going to be with these individuals. Something else is going to happen, and that's where Hikaru Shida is going to go. I'm excited nonetheless. I, it feels like we're, we're moving in, in the right direction here. Now, before we get on to the next segment, speaking of our women's division, we had Penelope Ford spotting for Miro while he was benching backstage. <laughs> And I thought that was a fun little bit. <laughs> so you have Miro and Kip Sabian, which is an odd marriage, but it's working. It absolutely is working. Miro cuts a great promo. He looks actually thrilled to be there, excited, cuts a very good promo again for the second time in a row. He is going to be unique because right now he's clearly a babyface, but he's hinting on that arrogant tendency. Yeah, you can see it. So let's see what he does when he gets in his first match, what his feud is, going the full gear, because I'm sure he'll be on the pay-per-view card. Are we going to see this bachelor party? I hope so. Penelope's in the background like, what are you doing? <laughs> but let's see where they go with Miro, heading into full gear, because I have absolutely no expectations. I have no idea. We're just here for what the What direction Miro's going to go. In, so I like it. Let's ride the best man gimmick right through full gear. Let's see where it goes. This is, this is shaping up to be very fun. I like it a lot. The ladies, though, were followed up by Lance Archer and Jake the Snake cutting a promo in the ring, essentially setting up this tag team match for next week um, and gearing up for the anniversary show, Archer versus Mox for the championship. It, it was nice to um, have some Archer and Mox back and forth on the mic. Mox comes out to, to combat Archer and, and the team of Ricky Starks and Brian Cage, Team Taz. Mox almost got jumped. Mox got jumped by Ricky Starks. I like how they used that thing that happened at All Out, basically, and tied it into. It was well real played. Life. It concerned me. They got me. <laughs> I said to you, I was like, he is getting jumped again. I'm like, ah, it's just Ricky Starks. One thing I really thought was well done, it was smart from a business aspect. You got Lance Archer on the mic. Lance yeah. Archer doesn't tend to get on the mic very much. Jake the Snake does a lot of his talking for him. I think it was essential 
if you are going to go in the direction of potentially having Lance Archer as your champion, that he needs to cut a promo. I think this was a good place for it. I thought Lance Archer's look was good. I think teaming up with those two is better. It's kind of keep your enemies close, right? Yeah. So, of course, Moxley was going to call on the services of Darby Allen. Who else? That's about as predictable as Lex Luger and Sting. But it's karaoke crew, and it's wholesome, and we love it. But Will Hobbs was the wild card. And you were pumped. That's I, your boy. I love Will Hobbs. Yeah. I think that Will Hobbs has all the tools to be successful. And I think this is the perfect way to interject him into well, the dynamite. it makes him feel like a big deal. Yeah. So Will Hobbs, when I look at Will Hobbs, and I don't want to be stereotypical here. I do not. But when I see Will Hobbs, I see Wardlow first. He kind of reminds me of like Deacon Batista. Kind of Batista of evolution. Doesn't speak much. He's going to slowly get his voice as Batista did. And he's going to break away from the group and he's become a world champion. Will Hobbs has got a different level of intensity. He's exciting and powerful and fast like Bobby Lashley was. You know, people talk about it, the size, the sheer power that he has. is obviously not Bobby Lashley. Because Bobby Lashley has looked the same his entire life. He looks like a mini Brock Lesnar. That was always his, his category. But with Will Hobbs... For some reason, I see Stevie Ray and Booker T. It's probably the spine buster that he delivered in that match. Okay. I think it just, it, it cued me because Booker T. We've also been on like best. a WCW kick Arn too, Anderson so. and Booker T laid some of the best spine busters I've ever seen. Like the best. Booker T will put you flat on your back. But I see a big dude with a high level of intensity like Miro. They're almost built similar. Big shoulders, big chest, big arms, powerhouse. Miro, Will Hobbs, Wardlow, all kind of in that same wheelhouse right now. AEW's brought in the big guys. Yeah. And that's kind of what it reflects. I, mean, I, I want to go back to that because I just I enjoyed watching Booker T and I enjoyed watching Stevie Ray. I think they had a great attitude. They cut good promos, high intensity, always exciting. Miro the same way. Even when he was Rusev and he was out there screaming in different languages that nobody knew, we were still excited to watch it because he was unique. And Will Hobbs comes in, he delivers power moves, he's exciting to watch, he's different. He's not a tall big man, he's a powerful one. And it's stuff that we don't see that very often anymore. So I'm really excited to see Will Hobbs, especially in this category, he's already up there, he's already up top, he's in a six-man match for the, with the AEW World Champion, so look at where they're placing him. Yeah, I thought this was the perfect placement, he immediately made an impact and we've seen him before we've seen him on dark we've seen him on dynamite but this was his like a proper introduction i guess you could say and mox hyped him up on the mic he's throwing around thrashing that chair and this guy is dominant and i think that he's a great addition to the roster i'm so happy that they signed him and i knew that you were excited for that that's your guy you like will hobbs we all like will hobbs but should be a great six-man tag match next week. I agree. I think, again, like we said, Will Hobbs, I think, lasted the longest in the Casino Battle Royal. You have Moxley coming off, again, his World Championship match at MJF was fantastic. Darby Allen and Brian Cage and Ricky Starks have unfinished business, so everybody's going to be tied in. You get a little hot tag in there to Will Hobbs, show off his dominance. You get Darby Allen probably... Ending up in the hospital again. <laughs> Darby wasn't even there. Mox is like, get your ass to Jacksonville. And we'll probably have some we vignettes, <laughs> potentially, next week. 
Whether or not it's a little promo that they record to edit into the show for Late Night Dynamite of him rolling down the highway coming to Dynamite on his skateboard. Right. Yeah, just seems right. But I, I like the team of Archer. I like the fact that Jake the Snake and Taz are kind of in cahoots here. They both cut a good promo. Moxley has intensity. It's all good. This is like big league shit this right here. This is big league shit. I'm looking forward to that six-man tag. I am too. But finally we got here. This brings us to the main event of the evening. The parking lot brawl. We had main event Trent and Chucky TNT versus Proud and Powerful. This was just perfect it was perfect um i was thinking about it we talked about how it, finally we got back here where this was supposed to happen right before covid started it, they couldn't have done it before we, we didn't have sue dropping off best friends for their match of fighter fest and in getting her van destroyed i mean that that added this extra level of intensity and drama and storytelling that i'm glad that it didn't happen initially this is as good uh, of a backyard wrestling style match you're ever going to watch. If you want to watch professional performance of a backyard wrestling match, this is it. You have all the stories that you entail that you did. You also have this matchup where they set up all these spots regardless of if they were going to herd. And a lot of these look like they were off the cuff. Oh, Trent took that really gnarly bump into the windshield. Like when they're slamming the hood on top of Ortiz and they both did slams Well. well Chuck Taylor did a flip on top, but after that was over, Trent did a uh, senton bomb on top. It's one of those things you tell Ortiz while he's underneath the hood. You say, hey, just wait right here for a second. You want to take a quick uh, I jump on you? You know? And he goes, yeah, yeah, whatever. It was one of those things that everything that they did, one of those matches, everything they did worked. It was clear that all of them were feeling it. And another thing I want to mention is I'm, I'm starting to, we talked about this a year ago, and over the year... You're starting to see AEW, regardless if it's real or not, they're trusting the younger talents to do the blading. We talked about a year ago that they kind of reserved the blading in the matches for the talents who had experience doing it. Dustin, if it was Cody, it was Jericho, and now you're starting to see it. MJF does it routinely. You have Santana coming into this match and doing it. They take great bumps. Except that long stick thing. Got broken three times. <laughs> that got broken three times. Ortiz whacked Trent right on the damn hands. And that probably stung more than anything else he did. As bad as everything else looked, getting whipped with a stick on your hands, knuckles, or wrists is painful. I imagine it's like like a paper cut. Like just one of the stupidest but like worse pains uh, worse than a paper cut but. It, it just it, it will it will it clip your knuckle. it's like you stub a toe yeah why does stubbing a the toe hurt more than it's, it's like the stupidest stepping thing stepping on a lego and he got it you heard it like click against his hands and it's like oh you dick you can't even do this match justice talking about it we had orange cassidy popping out of the trunk Best friends get the win. They ride off in Sue's new minivan, uh, Orange Cassidy's riding shotgun. They completely destroyed two vehicles. They did a spot. He did that uh, strong zero, I believe the finishing move is. Yep. He goes off the back into the bed of the truck. This is an A+. This match was as good of controlled chaos as you can possibly get. And all four of them, as everybody has said, and I, I want to jump on the wagon, I want to jump on the bandwagon, as everyone has said, I got to give them a ton of credit. Congratulations, you guys killed it. What makes me so 
happy about this match is just seeing the like unanimous praise from everyone. Joey Janela was raving about this um, before Dynamite happened. Mick Foley was coming out heaping praise, uh, the hardcore legend, giving them props for this match. And just seeing the warm, positive fan response. These are four extremely talented men. They've, they've been in wrestling for quite some time. We know what they're capable of. But in the tag division, I feel like they've kind of gotten stuck just in the middle of the pack with, with Dynamite. They haven't been in the most prominent feuds. We've talked at length about how Proud and Powerful needs to get this edge about them. And I thought this was an outstanding way for them to show everyone what they can do on a whole nother level. Proud and Powerful did not look weak by any means. That That's the theme of the night. Despite losses, no one looked weak on this show. Um, th- this is a historic dynamite match that's going to be talked about for a really long time. It was essential for Proud and Powerful to get back to this. They wore the face paint. They came into this as a parking lot brawl, like a street fight. They had lead pipes. This was exactly what I we talked about. This is what Proud and Powerful needed. This is what people on television who were not familiar with Proud and Powerful when they were part of LAX get an opportunity to watch. But it's good for best friends, too, because you break out of that, you know, lighthearted, happy-go-lucky shtick and show, well, we've got this edge, too. We can hang with anyone. And I think it just it put them back where they belong at the top of this tag division. I feel like nobody ever doubted Chuck Taylor. If you watched PWG, all the times he took Lego bumps, but Trent, I don't know, man. Main event Trent. Trent took that big old power bomb right on the hood of that car. I think any time that you're watching a match and you're like audibly yelling at your television, <laughs> um, they're, they're doing something right. And I thought that this was perfect. And I think it was really cool that the show was main evented by these these two teams were you audibly yelling at the television yeah at that windshield spot um but best friends get the win they ride off in sue's van before she exits scene she gives proud and powerful (laughs) a sweet little treat of fuck you and that was the most uh poetic and perfect ending that we all needed someone had told me on twitter earlier that the dvr actually cuts it off so you don't get to see that moment the part that i want to know going forward now is what is proud and powerful going to do are we going to tuck you know the tail tuck between the legs go back to the inner circle i want to see where that develops because Hager and Jericho are competing for the tag team championships. Sammy hasn't been on television since Matt Hardy's fall. And now Proud and Powerful has to tuck their tail between their legs and go home. Nah. So have let's to see tuck what happens. I, but that's what you gotta, you gotta come back to the boss, as he has in a say. You call it Jericho. You have to come back to Jericho and kind of tell him, hey, we got our ass kicked in the main event. Remember, those are, those are what he called the, 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 the real dogs, right? He talked about how they trusted them with his life. Those are his closest friends. His closest confidants. He trusts them with his life. Yeah. They are two of the most dangerous individuals. But best friends, maybe more dangerous. I'm here for it. This was an outstanding show. Um, Yeah. I I don't have much more to say. This was really fun. And I think it delivered. Uh, We covered... The current announcements for next week, we've got a Jericho appearance on Dynamite. Le Champion is going to also be on commentary for our late night Dynamite on Tuesday. Uh, so more Jericho to come. Hey, we're gearing up for that anniversary show the day after my birthday. 
Happy birthday to me. I get to see Mox versus Archer. Yeah, and then you only have about three weeks to full gear, so I'm I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with Moxley. Oh, when you put it that, that way, that's a quick turnaround. Would I mind Lance Archer win at, at the uh, anniversary show, and then you come into full gear, Mox gets the title back? No, I can't say that I wouldn't mind that. But I wonder how they're going to set that up. I don't know. It's we'll compelling. Find out. It we is compelling. We'll find out. But that brings us to the end of this week's Dynamite recap. We are gearing up for the G1 that is starting this weekend, so we'll be bringing you G1 30 coverage uh, with our scheduled weekly recaps. We'll try to keep up as we get the information. As you know, sometimes as soon as we drop the podcast, before you listen to it, it may already be over, or this, you know, the, the terms of the tournament and the wins and losses, so we'll try to keep it up as close as possible where maybe there's a little gap in between where we can kind of be relevant on top of the wins and losses. Yeah. But nonetheless, we will cover that when it is time. You can check us out on Twitter at Dojo and Dynamite, on Instagram, Dojo and Dynamite, and at Gmail, Dojo and Dynamite <laughs> at gmail.com. I'm all over the place today. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we got there. But with that, thank you all so much for listening. As always, hope you're doing well, staying safe, and wearing your mask. And we will be back later next week with another recap. Thanks, guys.